0: The following podcast is brought to you by The Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see all of you um, on this beautiful Palm Sunday. Um, It's interesting because uh, some of you I know and some of you I've never met, um, and yet, all of you, uh, and your faces and your apartments are just so familiar, um, from these, uh, many months of, uh, sitting together in zoom. Uh, so this is my sangha, my zoom sangha. <laughs> um, some of you may know, um, that I developed a, uh, an interest in music late in life. Um, so this talk was inspired by a song that I heard recently, um, if you're my age, you may have learned it, uh, or found out about it when you were 18. I just learned it, um, or found out about it a few weeks ago. Um, It's from 1971. Um, It's a song that was written by Don McLean. And it's called Vincent. And it's about the uh, the painter Vincent van Gogh. It's a beautiful ballad. um, And uh, as great art can do it, it really touched me. Uh, And I realized that with all of my ordinary struggles, um, how much more difficult it must be for people who are struggling with mental illness. Um, my wife, Sarah actually studied Van Gogh in in college. Um, he had a difficult life. Um, uh, he was, he was unlucky in love. Um, no one understood or appreciated his art. Um, uh, it, and in fact, he. um, his paintings didn't really start to sell until many, many years after his death. Um, so he had no money um, other than what um, his brother Theo was able to send him. Uh, he probably suffered from uh, Meniere's disease. Um, uh, he had tinnitus, which meant that he was hearing ringing in his ears all the time, uh, which may be what uh, caused him to, uh, to cut off his left ear. Uh, and he was probably schizophrenic. Um, uh, Yet what majestic paintings um, he left us with. How deeply he must have felt uh, to have created such works of art. So um, if I can do this, I'll see if I can. I'll share share with you um, the the painting that was the the painting that inspired um, uh, the song. Some of you may know this painting, Starry Night. I'll let it speak for itself. So, in the in the midst of my garden variety neuroses and my daily annoyances, um, the song, um, which I'll come back to, uh, caused me to reflect on how difficult life is for so many people. Um, you know, how difficult would it be um, for me to trust myself or to trust others um, if I had been the victim of abuse as a child? I just can't fathom it. Or or suppose I had been the victim of abuse as an adult. I read recently that we're just now beginning to understand the, the effects of brain trauma on women who have suffered repeated physical abuse. There have probably been countless studies about brain trauma in football players, but no one bothered to think about women who have been battered for years. Uh, In another example that I also was reading about um, recently, um, we're only now beginning to address the physiological damage uh, caused by burn pits uh, operated by contractors during the Afghanistan uh, and Iraq wars. Um, uh, We just carry mountains of material um, into these places uh, where we're conducting wars and rather than pay for the cost of carrying it back out um, uh, when we've decided we're done, um, we just stick it in a big pile and burn it. Um, on all of the toxic materials that are in there are uh, inhaled by the soldiers um, who are responsible for uh, and living in that area. Um, in our Sunday service, we have a section where we uh, chant for the health and well-being of the people of Ukraine and Russia. And then we chant the names of Sangha members who are ill. And we conclude by saying, for all Village Zendo members, family and friends who have been living with illness for some time and whose names we silently remember. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's a friend or a family member. So why am I dwelling on this? Because to me, I think our practice is to um, open our hearts and to look deeply into this life. And this requires a willingness to face sorrow and suffering and to look into the tendencies in our own minds that lead to suffering. And all of this work runs counter to our conditioning. It's very, very, Deeply counter to our conditioning. Our conditioning in society is to present an image to the world of happiness and positivity and success. We see beautiful bodies and beautiful faces on Instagram. As children, we learn to mask or hide our emotions, especially little boys. But as practitioners, we chant the bodhisattva vows each morning. The first vow is sentient beings are numberless. I vow to save them. I vow to save them. We vow to save them from the three poisons of greed, anger and delusion, which we all know ourselves. And we also vow to walk with those who are suffering and to help them in whatever way we can. So the the Mahayana teachings, as we know, um, give us the wisdom to understand um, that all compounded things are impermanent, everything changes, that there is no fixed, unchanging self, what I perceive as I, is an illusion, and that we're never satisfied. In Sanskrit, anika, anatta, and dukkha. These are the three marks of human existence. And the wisdom teachings tell us that the underlying underlying nature of reality is emptiness. Through the mysterious energy of the universe, causes and conditions bring about the myriad dharmas. Everything changing, nothing fixed. And we suffer because we find it so difficult to accept this reality. But this wisdom would be useless if our hearts weren't open. I think many of us are drawn to practice because of Dukkha. I know the sentient being, I want to save most is myself. And when we're acting out of our insecurities and our egoistic mind, we feel our separateness. And it's painful. But through our practice, we come to realize that we are not separate. We never were. We come to see and accept our wholeness and our brokenness. And when we're truly able to be present with whatever is going on, both the sadness and the joy, that's when we're truly alive and able to serve. This is the Bodhisattva way. So there's a a foundational text in Mahayana Buddhism. It's called the way of the Bodhisattva. Um, It was written uh, by a Buddhist monk and philosopher that lived in the eighth and ninth centuries named uh, Shantideva. Uh, and it's a long verse text uh, that gives guidance um, first about awakening or the mind of enlightenment or bodhicitta it then goes on to discuss strengthening and maintaining our commitment to this path and finally it describes the wisdom that results from such a commitment So when I was thinking about the way of the bodhisattva, I I, uh, pulled this uh, text off my shelf and I I just wanna read two passages um, just to give you a flavor of this teaching. For all those ailing in the world until their every sickness has been healed, may I myself become for them the doctor, the nurse, the medicine itself. Raining down a flood of food and drink, may I dispel the ills of thirst and famine. And in the ages marked by scarcity and want, may I myself appear as drink and sustenance. Verses like this appear uh, throughout the way of the Bodhisattva, and we're encouraged to set aside concerns for our own bodies and lives to help others. So Shantideva is really giving us an example, many examples of selfless action in the world. Now, you may think, you know, these examples seem a little bit extreme. But the mother who gets up in the middle of the night to feed or comfort a child is doing this. The Sangha member who gives up a Sunday afternoon to write letters to prisoners is doing this. We are bodhisattvas any time we act out of compassion without thinking of ourselves. We express it each in our own way. Don McLean wrote Vincent during a difficult patch in his life. It was actually written around the same time as American Pie, which uh, propelled him to, to fame. Um, it was on the same album, and for a while I guess Vincent was number four on at the top of the charts. Um, But he was having a difficult patch in his life um, when he wrote it. Um, He was in the middle of a divorce. And he was sitting uh, on the veranda one afternoon reading about Vincent van Gogh. I think he was reading actually Theo's book about his brother. Um, And he wanted to, to write a song. He realized he wanted to write a song saying that Van Gogh wasn't crazy. He suffered from a disease, but he wasn't crazy. And so the words in the song, uh, he writes about the ragged men in ragged clothes. Um, They were the peasants, um, the humble people that Vincent saw so clearly and painted so beautifully. The morning fields of amber grain speaks of nature. Van Gogh had a very, very deep connection with nature. uh, Sarah and I recently rewatched um, a movie uh, that was made a couple of years ago, um, actually by Julian Schnabel, um, called *At Eternity's Gate*. Uh, and it's it's uh, um, uh, actually it's just a it's a, a story uh, mostly of uh, of uh, Van Gogh's time in the southern France. And uh, as much as the paintings, the movie uh, also just captures the beauty of the light, the beauty of the countryside. Um, the beauty of nature and of the humble peasant faces, and also captures some of the difficulty of, uh, of Van Gogh's life. Um, he wasn't understood, he wasn't accepted, he was vilified, children mocked him, at least in the movie. I don't know what happened in his actual life, but I suspect that this was drawn from truth. And so this connection to nature was was, was part of what he was trying to bring to us. This was his expression of the Dharma. There's a koan in which Dongshan asks Yunyan about the teaching of the insentient. Dongshan asks, who can hear the teaching of the insentient? Yunyan said, it can be heard by the insentient. Dongshan says, do you hear it, master? Yunyan said, if I heard it, then you would not hear my teaching. Dongshan says, that being the case, then I don't hear your teaching. Yunyan said, you don't even hear my teaching. How can you possibly hear the teaching of the insentient? And Dongshan was enlightened on hearing this and recited this verse, wondrous, marvelous, The teachings of the insentient are inconceivable. If you listen with the ears, you won't understand. When you listen with the eyes, then you will know. What was Van Gogh doing if not listening with the eyes? I think perhaps his schizophrenia dissolved the barriers between self and other that we spend hours on the cushion trying to break down. He wrote, In all of nature, in trees, for instance, I see expression and and a soul, as it were. Some things can't be expressed in words, but they can be expressed in a painting or a song. A gesture, a caress, a meal cooked for a good friend, an act of caring. Another koan uh, came to mind when thinking about this. A monk asked, Master Fuketsu. This is, a, this, the way it's expressed is a little abstract. I'll, I'll explain it in a moment. But a monk asked, Master Fuketsu, both speaking and silence are contone, concerned with re-be relativity. How can we be free and non-transgressing? So re is the essence of reality um the absolute beyond all distinctions B is the mysterious activity of reality in all its many forms and so he says both speaking and silence are concerned with re B relativity how can we be free and non-transgressing the monk is really asking without speech and without silence how can you express the truth Fuketsu said, how fondly I remember Conan in March. The partridges are calling and the flowers are fragrant. So if you'll indulge me, I'll leave you with the first verse of the uh, the song um, that inspired me. Um, Take a little drink of water before I do.
0: Perhaps they'll listen now.